Hello and welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where each week, Pastor Jeff Cranston explores biblical theology that provides practical life applications in an understandable way. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker. Along with my dad, Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are seeking not only to help you know deep, solid biblical theology, but to know the Word of God and the promises of God that are given to us in His Word, all while holding to solid theological truths in your heart, soul, and mind. Beginning with episode number 143, we have discussed and studied now 18 Old and New Testament books along with their theological themes. Today will be our 19th book. So if you've missed any, we encourage you to go back and give those a listen, and you can catch up with us today. So that leaves us after today with 47 Bible books yet to go. So we're going we're gonna to continue to do this for a while. <laughs> anyway, hello again, Kitchen Table Theologian. We're so glad you joined us. We appreciate you being there and being part of this community. Today, we're going to look at a very interesting uh, New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul, his letter to the Galatians. All right, you've got my interest already. You said that in a unique way. You said it's a very interesting letter. Why do you call it interesting? Well, I think it's interesting for a number of reasons. It's likely written because the churches that Paul actually had planted on his what we call his first missionary journey. That's chronicled for us by Dr. Luke in Acts 13 and 14. Paul goes to this southern region of the Roman Empire, this province called Galatia. He preaches the gospel there. People come to faith in Christ. He establishes churches there, and they raise up leaders and so forth. And then Paul goes on his way and preaches the gospel somewhere else. When he got back to what is likely Syria, he gets reports, hey, these guys are going off the rails over there, and they have fallen away from some of the very foundational teachings and doctrines and theology really important in the Christian faith. I agree. I do find that interesting. Here we have the great Apostle Paul, and one of the earliest churches that he started were not following his lead and sticking to what he had taught them in regard to theology. Yeah, you, you just want to say the Galatians, come on, hey, this is Paul. You don't do that with Paul. But because that happened, Paul is more critical of his audience here than in any of his other letters. I think that's another reason this is a pretty interesting letter. Before we get into that a little bit more, let's cover some of the basics. We're already talking about this as establishing Paul as the author. So is there evidence for Paul's authorship? And then maybe while you're at it, go ahead and tell us, when was this letter to the Galatians written? Yeah, well, Galatians has always been, out of all Paul's writings, one of the letters least challenged on the issue of him being the author. And so it has always been, there's always been extremely strong support that the Apostle Paul is the author of this letter. There, there really aren't any other credible ideas floating around out there unless somebody just, they're trying to knock down Scripture at, at every turn. But again, 
these are churches he birthed and he helped get started. And as you read through these chapters, Paul taking a, a really strong tone with the recipients of the letter who are fairly new Christians there in the region of Galatia, people who literally heard the Apostle Paul present the gospel to them, and they responded in faith. Can you give us some examples of what you mean when you said he's speaking to them in a strong tone? Yeah, there, it's not hard to find. Um, in the first chapter, he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So he's accusing them right at the beginning. He basically says, look, I'm incredulous. I'm amazed. I can't hardly believe what I'm hearing. You all are already so quickly following another gospel. Chapter 3 begins with these words, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Another time he asks them, Are you so foolish? Are you that foolish to believe some of this stuff? In chapter 4 he writes, I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. In other words, look, I may have wasted my time with you people. And then he says this, have I therefore become your enemy by telling you the truth? He's just really in their face. And in chapter 5, he says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He's being very bold and very upfront and a little bit, really, you could say, in your face in, in what he's saying to them. I can just picture the church in Galatia, these people sitting there, yay, we got a letter from Paul, <laughs> and you open yeah. it, and this is what you get. Um, you can, Yeah, everybody you know? starts looking at the floor, and <laughs> nobody wants to make eye contact with one another. Right. It's not what you want to hear from um, Paul. But in everything you just read there, and as we read through all of Galatians, we can almost sense an undertone of anger in this letter. Would you agree with that? But yeah, to some extent, I don't think it comes across like Paul was livid or like that. I like the old word cross, like Paul was cross with them. And that cross, you're not forever angry at a person, but in a season, you might be very irritable about that person. But there's definitely an undertone of anger, like, what are you doing? I'm just it's very cross at you right now. And I, I think it's important for us to note that Paul risked the good favor of people who were fairly new converts to the Christian faith to make sure that th they're going to get back on the right path of truth and not continue to be let off into deception. And in fact, to emphasize the seriousness of all of that, he literally physically took the, the pen or the quill from his scribe and wrote the end of the letter himself in large letters. And I can just imagine it was Paul's dictating this and there's a scribe writing all this down and just knowing Paul and his type A personality, you can, I think with a sanctified imagination, almost see Paul getting more and more frothed up as this letter goes on until he gets to the point, he's just like, give me that thing. And he grabs the quill from his scribe's hand and then Paul writes this at the end of the letter, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. And that's led many theologians and Bible scholars to believe that this, among some other evidences, is that Paul had extremely poor eyesight. The scribe's writing in a 12 font, Paul grabs the quill and starts writing in a 24 font kind of a thing. And then the second last verse of the book, Paul writes, from now on, 
Let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. So in other words, you could just hear almost the exasperation. Look, I, I don't have time for this anymore. I've got scars on my body from suffering for Christ. I've had been beaten, I've been whipped, and I don't want to waste a bunch of my time t- trying to straighten out foolish people who once having tasted Christ want to go back to their false religions and their old ways. You can really sense that coming through as he writes all this. That sort of gives us the background a little bit on the book, I feel like. Tell us Mm -hmm. when and why did he write it? I think you've maybe given us a little bit of the why. So when did he write it? Yeah. yeah, um, Well, it's highly probable he wrote it from Antioch, where he had returned after 18 months of being on the road in that missionary journey, that first missionary journey. And, and he was no sooner back in Antioch than he started to receive reports that the church in Galatians had fallen into error. And what happened was apparently a group of people called Judaizers had gained influence within the churches. And they were what they were trying to do is make the new believers live under Mosaic law. So Paul's off the scene. And these people move in anywhere there's a leadership vacuum, boy, you better look out because all kinds of people are going to try to fill it. And they were teaching the Galatians, adherence to the Mosaic law is a requirement of the Christian faith. Uh, uh, of course, if you know anything about Paul or you've read the book of Romans, you you know that kind of stuff is uh, is going to make Paul's head explode. And so he, he wrote this book a few months as far as the when did he write it, before he attended the Jerusalem Council in A.D. 49. And that's a meeting where the apostles would take up that very topic. Is adherence to the Mosaic Law a requirement to be a Christ follower? And you can read about that Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. Late T.D., early 49 A.D. is about when this letter w- would have been written. With all of that going on there, I think it would be safe for us to assume that there are going to be some strong theological themes to be found in this letter. You want to point a couple of those themes out for us? Sure, and there there certainly are a bunch, and you can't get out of the five verses of the letter, the first five verses of the letter, without being smacked upside the head with all kinds of rich theology. And Tiff, if you would read the first... just the first five verses of Paul's letter. And Kitchen Table Theologian, listen for the theology that comes out through his salutation. Okay, here it is. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. He's covered so much right there, didn't he? Think about it. He touched on God's sovereignty, the resurrection, God's ultimate plan for the human race, fellowship within the family of faith, the church the sacrificial atonement of Christ for lost sinners, God's personal call to him as to be an apostle. And and it's almost all in one breath. 
it, it, we see such rich theology in his opening remarks. That is a lot to pack into just those first five yeah, verses. <laughs> just just how he started. Wow. Well, what else is there in this book? There's a lot about freedom in this letter. The gospel of justification by God's grace means freedom. But the central significance of this freedom in Christ is that freedom is not an end in itself. That those who are set free by the good news of the gospel are called to serve other people. It's like we have been set free from bondage, horrible bondage, sinful bondage, satanic bondage, but once we found our freedom in Christ, we have been placed into another kind, gentle form of, uh, and I'll call it bondage, but that's too strong of a term. But it's like, because you're free now, you have an obligation. Maybe that's the much better word than bondage. You have it, you're now obligated to serve other people, and that comes through. Tiff, if you'll read Galatians 5.13 for us, we'll see. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Yeah, so that freedom puts us in obligation to serve other people, and that's a pretty rich mark of theology in this book. Okay, so you got you've got all that at the beginning of the letter, you've got freedom, and then this is the letter in which Paul lays out for us the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The promise of the gospel is that those who belong to Christ are energized, empowered in a new life that is guided by the Holy Spirit. So this new life we're living, we're no longer living under the law by the desires of the flesh, but instead the Holy Spirit now takes up residence in every believer and there's this fruit of the Spirit that, that blossoms in community expressions of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generous faithfulness, generosity, and self-control. So we've got the fruit of the Spirit there. And then you've got the gospel. In those first five verses, Paul announces the good news, the gospel, God raised Christ from the dead, and that by God's grace, Christ gave himself to set us free uh, from sin and the power of this present evil age, as he put it. Thirteen times in the first two chapters, Paul makes reference to the good news by which God has called the Galatians and Paul himself to new life in Christ. And Paul pleads that the Galatians not turn from this grace-filled gift by following misleading and elusive and wrong-headed promises of a deceitful and very much works-based gospel. This is great so far. I actually just started a new Bible study on the fruit of the Spirit, and only one week oh. in, I'm already learning a lot. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, so we've seen a number of theological concepts just in Paul's opening words. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the theology of freedom and what that means for believers, the fruit of the Spirit. What else is there in the letter to the Galatians? Yeah, and, and the gospel, which leads to justification. In the 16th verse of chapter 2, Paul, for the first time, in his writings, substitutes the word justify for the word gospel. 
Now, the word justify means to be made right or to be declared righteous. So clearly in this letter, justification, again, used a total of 13 times from chapter 2, verse 16 through the end of the book. Paul's using the word justification like a synonym for the good news of the gospel. And what is the good news of the gospel? We are made right. We're justified by God's grace through faith in Christ and not by works of the law. So justification is seen very clearly in this letter. I'm going to interrupt for just one second. Kitchen table theologian, if you are interested in this topic of the doctrine of justification and want to take a slightly deeper dive into that, I want to invite you to go back and listen to episode number 54. Pastor Jeff and Jen discussed the doctrine of justification, exactly what it really means, and how it affects our standing with Jesus Christ. So you can go back and listen to that if you want more on that, episode number 54. But back to the letter to the Galatians, Dad. Let's start to wrap up this episode today with a final theology theme from Paul's letter. What you got? <laughs> well, let's go with new life in Christ. That's we're, we're seeing that theme come through with gospel justification, new life in Christ. That is, in Christ we are new creations. And, and that topic permeates the letter. The certain promise of the gospel is that through faith in Christ, being following along through the waters of baptism, the Christian is literally joined with Christ's death and resurrection. The old person is put to death with Christ so that now God's children live a new life by virtue of the loving gift of God's Son who lives in the believer. And at the letter's conclusion, Paul says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. So the promise of the gospel is that those who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been linked with his cross, with his death, and with his resurrection. And now we are clothed with Christ. That's a terminology. That's some terminology Paul uses. Clothed with Christ. So now the believer lives by virtue of Christ living in them. Therefore, believers are living as new creations. All right, new life in Christ. That's a great one as well. All right, just before we close. What is a good takeaway for us? What is something that we can take from the book of Galatians and apply to our lives? I'm sure there's many, but maybe just give us one. Yeah, there there are many. One that springs to mind would be that, unfortunately, the false teaching brought to the Galatian churches by the Judaizers has been extremely difficult to root out even today. So we, as Christians— we Christians are called to walk a rather fine line. On one hand, we don't want to fall into the legalism that the Galatians struggled with. But on the other hand, we just can't live as if anything goes. The believer's commitment to Christ is based on that free gift of grace through faith. But as Paul articulated at the end of the letter, it results in a life of walking by the Spirit. So application-wise for us, I think, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life, or do you find yourself living according to the flesh or the compulsions of selfishness? Too often, 
we lose ourselves at the extremes and we can end up in some sort of legalistic attempt to earn our salvation on one hand or just take a devil-may-care attitude about sin. Look, I'm a Christian and I know if I sin now that God's going to forgive me so I can I have freedom to sin. Well, of course that's wrong. So we've got to find that fine line between. And I, and I think we should take Paul's Holy Spirit-inspired words to heart as an encouragement to pursue a life of holiness, living not in our own strength, but knowing that God gives us empowering grace to live our lives. Well, thanks so much again for listening today, Kitchen Table Theologians. Dad, thank you for the insight there into Galatians and the application for us to walk away with. Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? We are just so grateful for you all listening. If you would take a minute to rate and review the podcast, especially on Spotify and iTunes, that would really help new listeners be able to find the show. And don't forget, you can also check out today's episode notes um, online as well. As always, we want to say thanks to our spiritual home, Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible. You can head on over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Dr. Cranston, his books, his sermons, leadership notes, and some blog posts. Lord willing, we will be back next week with another great episode. I think, are we going back to 2 Samuel next week? Do we know yet? Maybe. I can't. I, you caught me off guard. I don't <laughs> remember what our last Old Testament book was. If it was 1 Samuel, then I think it'll it was 1 Samuel. Samuel. There we yeah, go. I think okay. You're right. <laughs> So we'll be in the Old Testament next week. There it is. Now go deeper. And until next time, always remember the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.